Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to season two of Performance People with me, Georgie. And me, Ben. Our guests this time round have 38 Olympic or Paralympic medals between them, 22 of them gold. There are countless world records, 16 Everest summits, and the man responsible for some of the greatest inventions of our time. And alongside them are their closest confidence. They will share what drives these exceptional individuals to their highest heights. Performance People is free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can also follow us on our Performance People social channels. Now enjoy this week's episode. Joining us on today's Performance People are a husband and wife team who've made golfing excellence the family business. Tommy Fleetwood is one of Europe's leading golfers and joining Tommy is his wife and manager Claire Fleetwood. Well, these two performance people have not only figured out how to make work and marriage survive, but thrive on one of the biggest sporting stages. I never you know, really play for the, for the money. Um, it's much more about my self-satisfaction and how I perform. It's much more about trying to win the tournaments. Yeah, it was never the plan at the beginning and everyone thought we had this massive plan to go run off into the sunset and work together and it was like the last thing we thought was going to happen. Tommy, Claire, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I guess, Tommy, we're, we're in the middle of major seasons. So my first question is, how do we go about winning one of these things? Well, it's a good question. When I've actually won one, I'll let you know. Uh, I'm still uh, figuring that out. But yeah, you're right. Um, the Masters was just um, a few weeks ago. This has been my uh, first, just on my first week in the UK uh, for the whole calendar year. So it's nice just to get um, back here and have a couple of weeks rest before um, going on another long stint, really. Most of most of my time is um, spent in the US, really, up until August. So it's a busy period. What do you need for a really good major round? What is it you require to be in contention for one of these things? Well, I think majors more than anything. Um, you know, the th- I, I guess that the... the Funny thing about golf is we have four majors a year, but we play so many tournaments a year. A major really should just be the same, um, except everybody knows it's not. I think um, the tests are slightly different. I think they um, they require a lot more patience. I think you see the the more 
well-rounded golfers, the ones that have like a more full game, those are the kind of ones that end up sort of towards the top of the leaderboard most of the time. But also I think um, they just seem to be different in terms of when it gets to the nitty gritty on a Sunday, uh, the ones that actually believe that they can do it more than the rest, that they can win a major are the ones that seem to um, get over the line or the ones that definitely put themselves in contention more. And then um, when you get to that point, like anything else, there's always that little bit of luck that's involved. It's whether it's your time or not. It's, um, you know, who holds that put at the right time. But definitely there's a lot of a lot of belief and patience involved in those more than any other week, whereas, you know, in reality, it should just be the same. I've got a question as a, as a completely useless golfer. But I'm, 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 I'm used to say a lot of to, other things. To yeah. know what, <laughs> no, but we all know how much psychology goes into golf, like you say. And what, what do you find the more you get yourself into those uh, high pressure situations that it's easier the next time around? And each time you sort of bank a little bit of learning and that can feed into, like I say, the next time you, you've got a big shot and there's plenty riding on it. Well, that's how it should be. I mean, there's no, um, no matter how hard you train and no matter how much work you put in, there's no, um, you can't sort of practice or buy experience. So um, those, those moments are what makes um, all the difference. And um, I do think, uh, look, the, the first thing that comes before anything um, is always consistency. And um, you can't actually win without putting yourself in that position to win. And, um, you know, whether that happens first time, second time, third time, or takes a, a lot longer, which it can do. I think um, you look at the greatest or the people that have won the most, you look at a Tiger Woods or a Jack Nicklaus who are our greatest champions that have ever been, they were actually in contention more than anybody else as well. So they won more than anybody else, but their games put them in those positions as well more than anyone. And then, um, you know, they just got comfortable, it seems, um, trusting their overall game. I think, um, I, I think that trust element of knowing that just by being you and doing your thing is going to get you over the line is um, something that you really can't um, overestimate. Tell us what it's like if you've got a you've got a twelve foot putt for a major competition. What's it? Just tell the rest of us what what does that feel like? Are you absolutely bricking it, or you just go through your <laughs> processes and hope for the best? Brick it first, and then go through your process. Um, I think. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, look, I, I mean, it's, there's this whole dilemma, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. I think you ultimately know that this is what you practice your whole life for, for this opportunity. Um, you also don't know if you're ever going to get another one um, and, and all of that builds. And, um, you know, you know it's, it's, not a, it's not a normal put. It's what you've been waiting for your whole life. And, um, you, you know, at the end of the day, you just go step up there and do what you do every single day of your life. And, um it's it's easy to say it's either going to go in or it's going to miss. Um, you, know, you know, life's going to go on, whatever, but it just doesn't feel that way at the time. And, um, you know, they are the puts that sort of you look back on your career and those moments that um, kind of, they don't define you as a person, but they definitely define your career. Claire, is Tommy always so calm and measured? I mean, going in going into a major weekend, I mean, is do you feel a different sense of sort of anticipation as his other half and as his manager? I mean, how, how does that play out for you? Because it all seems very calm and very measured and very together, but there must be those moments yeah. where you have to gauge his mood and react accordingly. He is quite calm, though, honestly, aren't you? Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm generally a, a, a calm person. <laughs> he is, um, yeah. But 
you know, like everyone, I I, um, I get you know nervous. I think the hardest thing is, um, I you know, and and actually, you know, Ben, you've got you have more experience than me with it completely. But I think the hardest thing that I find still is dealing with your own expectations. Really, um, I think that's the you know the most difficult thing. And actually, um, everything in life, I can just let sort of pass by without you know sort of breaking character but um you know golf and what you put into it when you put so much into it i find it um just your own expectations is the hardest is the hardest thing to sort of keep grounded that's the truth isn't it ben you're always beating yourself up about what you think of yourself as opposed to what other people think of you as far as sporting competition goes Oh, Tommy's absolutely right. You know, it's what the thing that you put most effort into, that's what you really want. And we're all, I think we're all competitive when we have invested personal time in, into something. And yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm as my mates will, will, will testify the worst golfer out there, but you know, get me on a golf course. And most of the time I'm, I'm reasonably, reasonably calm about it. Cause I know I don't have any expectations, but if I'm on a sailing boat, like, Tommy's on a golf course, then that's what you really, really want to excel at. And that's when your expectation, if you don't achieve that, that's when it gets yeah. frustrating. Yeah, what other people's expectations of you are, are different from your own expectations of yourself. And we're, we're in a situation now, I say we, I mean you, you're in a situation now where you're a household name, you know, everyone knows who you are. You don't have the anonymity thing anymore to play to. It's, it's you know, you step out in front of a home crowd and people are going for you. They really want you to be able to succeed. Do you, is that, is that a huge confidence boost to someone like you? Or does that, does that feel like a very pressurized environment to suddenly be in? Uh, I, I think um, there's there's great aspects to it, um, you know, the support that you get. Um, and when you play in those good and bad moments, generally when the crowd is on your side, they're going to lift you through the, the bad times. They're going to carry you through those and push you forwards. And when it's going well, you're just going to ride the wave of everybody else as well. So that, you know, th those are the good side of it. Um, the, the, the less good side is... Um, you're not just dealing with your uh, thoughts about yourself, which can be harsh enough. You're dealing with everybody else. And actually, the majority of the time, uh, people don't actually, you know, they watch you play golf and then they don't think about it again. But that's not how you think. You know, you might, um, you know, you sort of feel like everybody lives and breathes it with you. Everybody's seen every single shot you've hit. Everybody's noticed um, how you reacted to that or where you hit it when it was a simple shot. So, there's that as well because you know there's no doubt about it. The better you perform and the bigger the moments are that you are spending out on the golf course, the more people are watching, the more eyes are on you, and the more people there are to actually say something. And there can be ten million good comments, but you'll zone in on the one bad one and think, oh, like they've said that, and you know why they said that. Oh, I must have to have to work on that. So. Um, that's just another element that, again, that you just have to, um, you, you learn to deal with it and cope with it, um, in whatever way is best for you. Um, but that's, again, you know, when you're sort of growing up and practicing as a kid, all these things that maybe you don't think about at the time, there are actually all things that you wanted when you were working towards your dreams. 
And Claire, these are all massive learning experiences, aren't they? So you sort of start up in a in a place. We interviewed Helen Glover a while back, and she said something really interesting. She said, you only get to be anonymous for a short amount of time if you're any good at what you're doing, which I thought was a really good point. I mean, you know, you, there comes a point where where suddenly everybody does know who you are and expectations come with that. I mean, you've been at Tommy's side throughout the biggest moments in his career. Have you seen sort of how he's been able to adapt and change and, and, and just be sort of unaffected at the you know, moments where you don't want to be affected by everything around you and yet able to sort of channel that when you, when you can actually really thrive on it, something like the Ryder Cup, for instance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, and, and the, the thing that he's got on his side that, you know, a lot of golfers don't is that everybody loves him. No matter what he does, he's so popular. Honestly, he cannot do a thing wrong, which is the more annoying thing for me. Uh, because that he does must do get things really wrong, frustrating for you. <laughs> he's golden child. He is literally golden child. So nobody, you know, ever says the wrong thing. But, um, I mean, that's that's nice as well. You've always got that on your side, you know, people back him if he gets something wrong rather than boo him you know it's they they, they care about him you know they really take him under his wing he's just a, a, a liked person it doesn't go like that when i don't put the dishwasher on right <laughs> <laughs> we all have those moments we don't dwell on them what, what would it be like for you though stepping out at Hoylake um, at the Open on that first tee what, what will the feeling be like what sort of emotions will you go through in that moment uh, well it's funny actually because the first Open I ever played was at Hoylake um, and that was in 20 um, it was either 2013 or 2014 I, I can't remember the year but that was literally my first um, my first Open and I was I was uh, practically throwing up going to the tee, more because it was at home as well. It's, it was like a home tournament for me and there was, you know, way more people watching that than anything I'd experienced before. And I was just, uh, I was I was so, so nervous. I'd expect to deal with it better now. Um, and I, I think, like I right now, I mean, there's a couple of months to go before the Open, but it's, it's so exciting and it has been for a while thinking that um, the Open for me is is my if I could win one tournament and they said you're never gonna hit a golf shot again, the open for me is is that and um you know I I've never shied away from that being like, you know, my ultimate dream of winning a golf tournament and how much I love that tournament. And um I've been lucky in my career over the past few years where I've sort of played on Sundays with a chance to win it a couple of times and I still haven't done that and um I'm still completely fine like chasing that one dream um at the moment, like trying to win that tournament and um getting the chance to do it when you're so close to where you grew up is like another another element on on top of that it's um so few people actually get to play a tournament anywhere near where they grew up or near home and for me i get to play the biggest one of of my life if you like so um it's very very special and i think um the main thing that sort of i'll focus on is all the the good things um all the privileges you know of getting to do that and then going out and i have I'll have amazing support and and go and um and do my best but I think uh you have to be sort of prepared before you tee off just to I might get off to a flying start or I might get off to a bad one um you know I might be pretty neutral but you just have to sort of go out there with a mindset of thinking there's nothing that's going to um affect my mindset no matter what happens and keep going because you know you put so much emphasis on one thing it's so easy for it to get um out of control whereas um you know very often you play your best when um, 
not that you don't care, but you're just sort of, you know, a lot more relaxed and calm. So that's, that's like the biggest, um, sort of the biggest task. Tommy, out. you must know that course like the back of your hand. Uh, not, not, um, not as well as you'd think. Um, so I, I've played it, you know, a handful of times. I played the open there. I had, um, one of my best friends used to be a member there. So I'd play it two or three times a year. I mean, I know it better than the majority of people that are playing. Um, and I know it better than a lot of courses that I'll play throughout the year. Um, but it's, it's not like it's, you know, a home course or anything. Um, the, the, the good things are Lynx golf. I've grown up on that. I always enjoy playing that. Um, and yeah, I have a pretty decent knowledge of the course. Um, and then you get, you know, you see what conditions that the summer brings, whether it's going to be a firm and fast one, whether it's going to be a bit softer, um, just see what the weather brings. What does the Fleetwood family house look like um, over the course of, say, uh, the open weekend? So, like you say, it's just up the road for you or nearly just up the road for you. But is it going to be a busy household, a calm household? How do you like approaching a weekend like that, especially a home tournament? I mean, with uh, Ben and I, if he's about to go into a big competition, it's sort of we have a conversation about who we want or don't want at the house around that time and what we want the kind of mood to be and the vibe to be to sort of keep things as as sort of level pegging as normal how, how does that play out for you do you like a busy house or do you like a quiet thoughtful house I mean how do you want it to go just yeah just how it how it always is usually which is uh you know with three kids two teenagers it's pretty noisy everybody raising their voice as loud as they can to get the most attention uh arguing um yeah you but know, you don't like anybody here uh, no, I mean, I mean, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have yeah. any sort of outsides, um, you know, any people that you wouldn't normally have, just, just the family. Yeah, you can have the kids, Tommy. You normal. can have the kids. <laughs> I wanted the kids. It was Claire saying we don't want. Uh, no, no, no. They can I stay. Mean, no, normally stay. In, in a major week, he, d he doesn't like anyone sharing the house, but, but that's completely normal for the players. They don't normally have, like, outside him. You know, they just have what they'd normally have on a normal week. Because a lot of the majors, you know, people have their family uh, or sponsors or, you know, different people that turn up and, and they get a separate house for them. It's just easier. I don't blame them. There's a lot of yeah. noise. There's a lot of noise. And, and they, you know, they've got a long day. They probably have a 10, 12 hour day. They want to come home, switch off, you know. How key, how key a player is Claire in all of this, Tommy? Because she'll downplay her role, I'm sure. But she's your wife. She's your manager. She's probably your greatest fan and your greatest critic all wrapped up into one. I mean, how big a role does, does she play in your success, but also keeping you sane? Um, well, I, tell, I, actually, I actually tell the kids one of my, uh, my best piece of advice for life is finding a great woman. And I still believe that. Um, I think that's the best advice you can give anyone and um partners and families are that they are that they are everything really because um again i go back to i mean in reality um you know if, if somebody said you know you can't play golf ever again but you know you have your family for life then that's obviously what i would pick all the time but you beat yourself up so much you lose the sense of reality so much in what you do and you 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 end up defining yourself as a person by how you play golf and how you perform each week and um you actually what claire would bring and, and what the kids bring but claire especially is just that you know that calm inside that reality check um you know i'm hoping that she loves me that's what i you know i, I feel like that's something that we have um and and just that you know that happiness side of things and she's very clever 
she's very clever and she judges situations she judges situations a lot better than you do when you are playing all the time and you are so you're like so single-minded on what you're doing that you don't look outside the box and um you know claire's actually very good at that where she can just make you know good decisions good calls on things and actually bring you out of that um when it's needed Claire, what's the dynamic like between the pair of you? Because obviously you are Tommy's wife, but you're also his manager. How do, how do you make that work? And how does that sort of manifest itself in it a daily work. Yeah, a, day, a daily <laughs> existence so that you don't just always talk about work? I mean, this is the, one of the things that we struggle with a bit. Yeah, we, I mean, I do. I, I talk about work a lot anyway, you know, and I can't help it, but I, I do I do make a conscious effort and I can see sometimes in his face he's had enough which is quite often if I do talk about work. Actually, what we did do is is we put an office in the house and we, if there's anything, you know, not like me being in the kitchen working, I go in there to work and then he'll come in if I need to talk to him about work. So we make it a little bit more mm. of, a, of a better environment. But um, I just try my did best not to do it all the time. Did it take a while to get that right? <laughs> yeah did it take a yeah. while to get that right yeah. was it a bit of a like just like yeah. suss it and see because you went from management no, no, to, no. I mean, to, to being partners in life no the only thing it took to get right is me not talking about work all the time because yeah, you mean, know I, we're both I, workaholics I, though I, I talk about yeah work i mean you know well. we're both we both talk about work all the time so um but but tommy's very much more happier you know, going off reading a book or, you know, he can listen to podcasts, he meditates, you know, I would go off to work. Do you know what I mean? If I've got a spare hour or two, then I'll be doing something to do with work nine times out of 10. So that's, you know, my weakness in a way. I don't, I don't downtime well, but, um, but I think, I think we always kind of said, um, when, you know, we knew we'd be working together and, and obviously, married we always said if it we were pretty comfortable with each other where we said look if it doesn't feel like it's working like let's just be honest and we'll do something else like but let's just give it a go for now and, yeah um yeah it was never the plan at the beginning and everyone like, thought we had this massive plan to go <laughs> run off into the sunset and work together and it was like the last thing we thought was going to happen because we thought it'd kill the relationship so I was looking for other jobs and stuff and then I think we just said, let's give it six months because we, we sort of sat with different management companies. And as we were sat there listening to different proposals, I'm like, I can do this. I think I can do this. But I just, for some reason at the beginning, thought I couldn't and I shouldn't. And then we gave it six months and it worked. So we carried on, didn't we? Yeah, here we are. And here we are. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've said you've said this to me before, Claire. It's kind of this di this different dynamic you think that you two have over other couples. What do you think that is? I know everything on every side. So there's sponsorship side, the logistics side, the PR side, the accounting side, everything. Maybe sometimes too much, you know, because then that's all I think about sometimes. But um, that's just the different dynamic is that I look at, one question might have 15 answers for me. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit more complicated for me because I see things, you know, like, are we going to live? I don't see it as a lifestyle choice necessarily. I'll look at it business choice as well. I mean, 
you know. And obviously. still the answer's no, which is a good one, isn't it? Still the answer's no, but, you know, I just look at things differently sometimes, yeah. The yeah, lifestyle choice always you, wins Tommy, first, by the way. <laughs> yeah, of course it yeah. does. It and, has um, to, doesn't it? Because you know, otherwise, forget everything else. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, yeah, and, and the other thing, I think, um, uh, f- for me, um, having Claire as my agent, at the end of the day, there's nobody that I uh, that I trust more or that I'm going to trust more to make um, to make the best decisions for us, really. Um, so, you know, she's making decisions for the family um, as well as, I guess, me as an individual. I would never think of it like that. I, I hate ever being sort of when she talks about me as as a golfer or as an individual because I'm well I actually hate it yeah because I'm always like well it's it's for us it's it's (laughs) us as a family that's what you're making the decisions for but she does um go off on a tangent sometimes speaking about me as you know something that's best for my career or something that I'm doing or what I should be what I should do this week and I'm like you you realize it's for us not not just me but um (laughs) you know she just has there you go she, she does have a very very um good business mind and a sport in mind um so i i am i am lucky really she's she's good she's good at it there are plenty of plenty of sharks out there tommy so i think you're under a good thing (laughs) yeah well you know what's you know what's good and what was good in the first few years is not seeing things just for the financial side which i always had as an agent you're always looking at the 20%. Well, I'm not looking at the 20%. I'm looking at what it's genuine. You're not always looking at the 20%, by the way, but an agent has that factor in a conversation all the time of how much it's making, you know, the deal is making rather than whether the deal's the perfect scenario. And, and, and I think, I genuinely think that we've turned down so many more decisions with this dynamic than we might have done you know we've turned down loads absolutely loads because i just know his time i genuinely know that day will be more important to him at home than whatever it's making in the bank account and i don't care about the bank account either as much so i'm <laughs> i'm on his wavelength what's the biggest thing you've turned down <laughs> me turned down me originally <laughs> <laughs> the biggest did thing we turned down. Did you? Did you turn did, Tommy yeah, down originally? Yeah. I did. Georgie, wow. I was 40. So you what had to I really 40? work at it, Tommy. Yeah, We've got a 23-year age difference. Of course I turned him down. I, I was like, don't be stupid. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> How did you convince her, Tommy, that it was the right call to rethink? Well, she just eventually gave in, I think, and thought, I'll just um, I'll just give him some time. I'll give him the time of day, and then uh, we'll go from there. And then I didn't mess up. Perseverance. Perseverance, yeah. Does it, it doesn't seem to bother, it doesn't seem to bother either of you, though, this age gap. I mean, when you look at it, if you looked at it as a, a reverse thing of a guy and a girl, what, I mean, why would it be any different the other way around? I mean, people make, make, make something out of nothing. I mean, does, is, it, is it a thing for you or not really? Uh, kind of is and isn't. I mean, it was way more at the beginning, you know, it was kind of... Not actually for us. No, not for us, obviously not for us, but it was just, again, 
thinking what other people are thinking all the time and you know in within the industry it was kind of big news in our circle so I was a little bit paranoid about all that really um but not for any reason of of our relationship and I had full faith you know once we fell in love out you know we were that's it baby and dog yeah <laughs> you know we were in and then um it was just navigating through the the gossip basically but that was very it was it was quick because people saw us and and knew it meant something you know and the the people who were the doubters have redeemed themselves let's say and admitted they doubted wrongly so and diet and nutrition and stuff like that. I mean, how do you guys live your lives when you're traveling so much and, and trying to sort of make everything work so that you're performing to the best of your abilities all of the time? Do you do you have somebody that does that for you? Do you do it? Like, how do, how do you make that side of it work? Do you do it? Uh, no, I, uh, I'm not the best uh, <laughs> chef. <laughs> I feel the sarcasm in Claire's voice. Um, I, uh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> No, just uh, it's it's funny when you when we're on the road so much. So we, um, I mean, very often as a golfer, you're in hotels and you, and you're traveling so much. We don't always we don't always get a house, um, and you don't always have the family there. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of eating out, and it's you know generally like you do the best you can. You eat you eat sort of anywhere um, and anything that's that's remotely decent. Um, the major weeks and some other weeks you get. You know, you get luckier. We we would get a house. You'd have the family there. Um, Claire would cook every now and again. We we would have a chef. Um, I kind of train all year round, and and again, like I like to make. You know, you'd like to say that the majors are. You make it as similar to every other week, so I'll carry on training those weeks and everything. So um, sometimes it's more of an effort than others to try and be as healthy and keep yourself. Um, you know, eating as well as you can and as alert as you can. But other weeks. Majors are generally the best ones, actually. Those are the ones where um, you kind of stay in places where you end up getting a house, families there. Um, those are actually the easy ones. When you get a chef. A chef <laughs> called Claire. But, yeah. Cause, no. Because you, you, you do look at some... <laughs> you do look at some of the golfers on tour and think, well, they're not necessarily the most... They, sometimes they don't look like they're in the peak physical... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. 
definition is probably the best way of putting. Uh, thank, that. You. Yeah, um, thank you. So some, some, some no, no, not you, Tommy, but some some golfers don't necessarily. So you think, well, goodness, it's a very <laughs> grueling existence, isn't it? The tour's non-stop. I mean, surely it must be beneficial to be in the best possible peak condition yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know the hardest. I think traveling really, um, and even if. In, actually on the PJ tour in America um it's we do pretty well like you get it good like most of the year is in sections so you you'll start in California that one's you know pretty simple on that on that west coast then you end up in Florida and you have three or four weeks there so that so they kind of go in sections I think um when you're playing both tours and you're playing Europe sometimes the traveling the flights the transatlantic obviously that stuff is hard um and then when you're going week to week and you're finding places to uh it's not like you we don't really we do have a routine but it's kind of a non-existent routine if you compare it to just being in one place all the time um so those are the things that you just have to juggle and um when you play in four five six weeks in a row which you generally don't want to do more than four but there's always a time where you have to do more like i've just done i've played eight out of ten weeks in the us to sort of from february through to just now so that's 10 weeks away straight um and the first eight weeks are actually without your family so there's um there's there's a lot that goes into it and there's certain things that can tire you out more more than others but um in general you know guys are you know we do up healthier than like most people um it's just when you're when you're always comparing yourselves to you know the the best athletes and everything and and you look at the be people that are the best in in what you're doing you're always comparing yourself to those so you kind of forget sometimes that how hard you do work and how well you actually do things um really and you just have to keep that in mind tommy have you got any top tips on on how to um how to beat the jet lag and like you're saying the the challenge with the lack of consistency timing yeah. and and being all over the place you know for people that might travel for work or whatever you got any tips to just trying to keep that consistency and get over the jet lag I mean, well, the, the flight is, and I mean, I I'm, I can be so poor at, at times because I find it. I actually sometimes look forward to getting on quite a long flight because I'm like, I sit there, we'll watch some films or read a book or anything. But actually, um, if you do it properly, it really helps. Like there's, there's times when I kind of enjoy my flight, but then it's like an extra three days, four days of uh, jet lag, whereas you can actually start there, whereas you try and get on the time zone, you eat at the right times. Uh which is really boring. I actually hate doing it, but then I feel better um, and I recover quicker. Um, you know, trying to trying to sleep and wake up. Um, the hardest part is forcing yourself to wake up. I think at the right time. Uh, in general, the way the way that we travel, um, your sleep pattern is pretty much everything. Sleeping at the right time and then eating at the times that you would eat normally on that time zone. I think those things that because um, the easiest thing is you get tired, you just want to eat. And you get tired, you just want to sleep, or you wake up when you feel like you just want to wake up, and you think that's all right. But then it's it's just eating into days of of recovery, which we don't have. You don't have that time. It's just not a gift that we have, really. Um, you've got to be ready to play in you know the first two or three days. Claire, that bit about Tommy as well being away for sort of this massive chunk of time. I mean, I have that in sections with Ben. Um, and sort of trying to find the right routine and then kids are at school and trying to make that whole thing work. I mean, is it, have you got into a pattern of behavior? I, I have, I don't know if it's the same for you, where you sort of have your life as a, well, for us, it's like R3 
<laughs> which is me, Bellatrix and um, Fox. And we're very lucky because we have a lovely nanny, Kirsty, And it's sort of us together. And then Ben comes back into yeah. the fold. And then, you know, that's a different dynamic. I mean, do you have the same sort of thing? Obviously, Franklin's at school now and it's full on as well with your other two. And do you, do you have to uh, find... Um, a different gear, effectively, uh, for when Tommy's home and when he's away. Because I, I sort of feel like I live two separate lives. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, exactly the same. Exactly the same. I mean, my obvious one is that Frankie does not even look at me when Tommy's home, but literally will not not sleep in my bed when he's away. He's that close with me. And then I, I don't even get a look in when he's home. I mean, he literally all day is saying, I love you so much, Daddy. I love you. And I'm like, what about me? <laughs> nothing. I get nothing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I then go back to being slave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it is exactly that, really. Yeah. And Tommy, Ben's always telling me that, like, you know, it's all very well me sort of, you know, complaining at him that he's away. But actually, it's a real tear for him to be away, which I can see. And it does pull on the heartstrings. I mean, does it get harder or does it get easier, depending on the experience? Uh, it's It gets it gets harder, I think. I think... Um... I mean, it's, it feels fine if you play well and then it feels like it's worth that time away. Um, the weeks where I've, mm. um, you know, I've played poorly, uh, you know, I'm sort of down on the leaderboard or I've missed a cut and I'm sat there, you know, miles away from home on a Friday night or a Saturday. And, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's always thinking, like, what's the point in this when, you know, I've just traveled all this way, I'm not with my family and I'm not even done any good. I think those are the times where it becomes the hardest. Um, the good thing is you stay busy. Uh, like on our side of things, you, you you get to stay busy all day. I'm always doing things. Um, I'm always practicing, always working. So that takes your mind off it a little bit. But definitely those um, mornings and evenings where you kind of, you know, you're on your own. And I, th I think the way that you play or perform definitely plays a big part in how you feel about being away. Um, but on, on top of that, you get the excitement of... Um, I've seen them again when it's when it's been a long time away and stuff like that and you get and you get those moments so um those are something that you always can look forward to I think I think the general perception is that it's harder it's harder for them and I think it's I think it's harder for them sorry everyone thinks it's harder for us I think it's harder for them because we're at home we're in our own bed we're eating well we're with our family they're in a crappy hotel in the middle of nowhere you know, nine times out of ten. Ben, oh. ben likes that one. I can tell. Do you like that one, Ben? <laughs> get on, get no, but, on it, Claire. I mean, Thanks. no, I, I've been I think... trying to drive that one home for a while now. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll say, rewind. I'll, I'll, edit, I'll wire, edit. I'll wire, I'll wire the money over later, okay? <laughs> as long as you've got help, I mean, Georgie, as long as there's help, it's kind of, you know, we can get on with life, yeah. can't we? They're stuck in the middle of nowhere and yeah. they have to travel. And if they have had a bad day, it's horrible for them because they're on their own, I think, generally. Tommy, for how you. crap is it to miss the cut? I always think as a golfer, this must be like, just it must just be when you know that you've got what it takes to win stuff. It must be so soul-destroying if you don't make the cut of a big tournament. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... And the thing, you know, the, I, I've been saying this a lot recently, I think the standard's so high at the moment that you can actually play well and still miss a cut. It's not, um, 
it's not like that that's a given and i think that's almost um that can almost be worse because you feel like you've you know played all right i'm not that far away um but then you've missed the cut and you don't even get a chance to play at the weekend um and so much can change over those last two days so um it yeah i mean i mean it stinks and there's times where you feel more positive about it and you know you've practiced on saturday and sunday and you feel like you're building up to something the week after and there's times where it kind of just doesn't don't feel very good at all but um for, for sure like just not giving yourself the chance to play all four days and even um you know because even if you don't win uh, or you're not in contention you can still have a really good round on sunday and then actually feel pretty good about yourself you can feel oh played all right you know played good today had a good finish to the week there got something out of it and then um you don't have that long to go before the the next event whereas missing the cut and having a full you know you nearly have a full week then before you play again which is actually you know not a lot of time at all in real terms but to us it feels like a month uh having a full week uh without playing and then having to try and correct what you what you've done there and and go and play again the next thursday but yeah missing the cuts the the worst thing because uh, you don't get to play all four rounds. One of the justifications that a lot of these players are, are using for jumping ship from the PGA Tour and jumping onto the Live Live Tour seems to be that regardless, we'll get paid. <laughs> and it's it's not just paid, is it? It's yeah. absolutely massive amounts of money. I mean, huge, mm-hmm. colossal amounts of money. How has that, how has um, the Live Tour changed um, your game? most people don't most sportsmen really um and I'm sure ben can back me up don't actually do it for the money i i never you know really play for the for the money um i can look at what i've earned at any given time on any week but really it's it's much more about my self-satisfaction and how i perform it's much more about trying to win the tournaments it's much more about that and um so that you know that that didn't come in that didn't come into the equation for me but definitely for some people and and you can see how appealing it is um and and for sure there's there's a lot to be said you know play poorly and I'll 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 get paid that that would be great um but I also think that's where um you know for me I I would turn to Claire and we did at the time that's the kind of thing you talk about um because it's not just it's not just you that's involved in it it's, it's my passion obviously golf and it's sport I play but um, you have a family as well, and there's a lot more decisions that go into it. And um, but ultimately, you know, Claire always says to me, you know, it's what makes you happy, and it's what you know you feel is best for you. And um, I mean, that that was pretty much it. One that you said, you know, mm. will it actually, you know, it is, is it going to make life. any difference? Is it going to change your life? Um, and it, and it doesn't really. And and everything that I do is just to play as well as I can and get the most <laughs> out of out of myself as um as a as a golfer and as a sportsman and as an athlete um and that and that's all that i've ever thought about and that's still you know any decision that i make um is how can i improve as a golfer how can i be the best version of myself and and that's just um you know whether that's playing where i am now or whether i was playing somewhere else i would make a decision based on that not the actual um money and is there a is there a friction between the players on Live Tour and the PGA Tour now, or is that just the press blowing stuff up because it's a convenient story? Or is is there is are there niggles? I mean, for me, I I hate the idea of the the conflict there must be in someone's mind over the Ryder Cup. The idea that you wouldn't be able to play or be uh, 
you know, um, in charge of a Ryder Cup team because you've jumped ship and gone to live. I mean, that must have been a massive consideration for so many players making that choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. Um, it's, you know, for, for sure it's a shame um, that I, I think the Ryder Cup is a huge part of a lot of players' legacy and, and their careers. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a shame that at the moment um, there's there's guys that might miss out on on that and even captain in a team. Um, the, look, the, the press has definitely um, blown it up a lot. I think it's a great story to to look at and think that there's a lot of animosity and there's these rivalries that are created. And um, in reality, I, th I think the Masters... Um, the Masters was the first tournament, really, that we've had um, everybody or the ones that were eligible playing in the same event. And and there was, I mean, zero. I think it was great to write about. And again, I think it was great for the press, but there was like zero. Um, I don't think anybody cares. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's at the Masters trying to win it. And I don't think anybody actually cares what anybody else is doing on a week-to-week -week basis or what tour they were playing. I think that's the, the main thing. And there was this argument about, you know, what effect it, impact it have on players' performance, right? And sort of how much competitive yeah. golf they were getting. But going off the Masters results, would it be fair to say, you know, made that much difference, or is that is that I'm looking at it from a layman's perspective too much? No, that's that's how I would look at it as well. Um, uh, it you know, it seems like it actually seems like they um, the the live players seem to enjoy like that kind of challenge a lot, and I think um, they they seem to use sort of that narrative as some motivation to prove people wrong and um you know brooks was a few shots away from winning it phil mickelson the same um and and you know there's yeah. like, there's there's no doubt about it major champions like that and um brooks is probably going to be a hall of famer phil's is there's a hall of fame career um they know how to win and they know how to win majors and um you saw that sort of going on through the week um i don't think they I don't think those guys lose that and i think they enjoyed um they enjoyed getting the juices flowing and the energy of trying to compete in a major definitely and uh for sure there was like not that they need it but there was definitely an extra motivation it seemed for those guys to sort of prove that narrative <laughs> wrong and yeah seem to do well at it it's all good for the competitive juices isn't it at the end of the day it all gets everybody going um i wanted Absolutely. to ask you about tiger What's it like to play alongside a great like that? And and will we see him return? Well, he did come back, didn't he, for a time? But will we see him come back again? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I might be biased, but I think a lot of people will put Tiger Woods in, you know, their top three or five sportsmen of all time. So I think, you know, as a golfer, we're so lucky to have him in our sport. Obviously, saw him at the Masters. He doesn't, he obviously doesn't play much i think he's limited in in how much he can play now and and the toll that it takes on his body to um prepare for a tournament and then you know walk the 72 holes um all the way in around you know the different conditions i think there's a huge toll that it takes on his body these days um you know i i think from tiger's perspective i think he's it's almost like you watch him now and people respect just his efforts just as much as all the achievements that he's done and the dominating that he did over, you know, the, the course of his career. And I think people watching now and just see his competitive spirit and, and, you know, seeing firsthand what he actually has to go through to just play 
a round of golf uh, and to play at a tournament, uh, you know, you can't help but respect um, how much he must still want it and how much he still enjoys competing. And I think, um, I mean, yeah, it'd be ridiculously cool if Tiger Woods was sort of coming down the stretch on a Sunday in contention again and thinking that he could win a tournament. And I think, um, I think people have sort of got to the stage now where they're just not going to write off anything that he might do um, and just um, yeah. enjoy sort of that we're seeing him play still because uh, there's going to come a time when he's not. Um, but also, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked or surprised if he happens to be challenging in a tournament at some point. And um, it would be amazing to think he could win again. I read a great quote by one of the top players or caddies that if Tiger Woods could have a buggy, he'd be right up there. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that rings true. No, I, th I think it is. And um, he won't, uh, you know, I, I just think himself, I, he's always said walking um, is a part of, you know, uh, competitive golf. And I think that's just so deep in his belief system that he um, that that's what he that's what he'll always do. But definitely, you know, it, the, like I say, the toll it takes on his body at the moment to just walk. And, you know, you look at Augusta, Augusta's one of the hardest walks that, that we do um and one of sort of the most grueling weeks if you like energy wise so for him that one's a really really difficult one and you can see what it takes out of him um you know there's definitely some flatter courses uh some shorter sort of courses as in walks from greens to tees that much um less grueling on his body that i think definitely that he can still compete on because he still plays so well um it's definitely a there's a fatigue factor in there um that will affect him sort of later on in tournaments, later on in rounds. But his actual ability to play golf is is just as good as anybody still. Claire, how how mentally, how much is golf a mental sport? I mean, I I, I could stand on. I am an absolutely pants golfer. I'm worse than Ben, um, but I could stand on a on a tee and hit a golf shot. And in my head, I can see it traveling a really good distance and in the right direction and in my mind it's going to be perfect and then it'll just I'll just maybe tap it misconnect with it and it'll just dribble off the tee and be a total disaster so so how much of this is a mental game as well as a, a physical game would you say I, I think I don't know I'd even go as high as 90 percent it's huge it's everything because you can see with all these guys, their margins are so fine of, you know, they win by, you know, it's like, like in Formula One, we always say tenths of a second, don't we? Everything's managed in that. It's the same in golf. And what determines the difference in the players is, the, is their attitude and their mental strength. Definitely, 100%. You can see it even on TV, never mind the guys that we know. You can see on TV the ones that blow up and completely lose it and then the ones that flatline don't show any emotion you know just carry on a lot of it depends on how they are and how their caddy treats them and how you know the dynamic on the course massively I would say yeah Tommy what would you say is the most challenging thing about the game I mean I think I think for mo most sportsmen adore golf don't they they love the challenge of it whatever their own sport may be they yeah. love the challenge of it because they know in a weird way they'll never truly master it so as a professional golfer, what for you is, is the allure, but also the greatest challenge? Uh, I, I think one of the hardest things in golf is the time that it gives you to think back to that mental side. Um, 
you you have so much time. Uh, you know, you hit one shot, then it's ten minutes until you hit another one. Um, I, I I guess that one is probably when you go back to the mental side of it is, um, and it and it's funny because we we would feel the rounds that we feel like is flowing and very free free flowing, and the ones that aren't. But at the same time, it's taking five hours to get around, so it can't be flowing that much. Um, there's there's a there's a decent period in between everything that you're doing. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, you play third, you know, twenty five to thirty tournaments a year. If you win once or twice, it's been a great year. So um, you're losing a lot. Uh, you you lose all the time, um, and you know it's having a mindset where it's about your your own performance and and the satisfaction in what you're doing, um, keeping a level head. Because there's always somebody really that's unless you're world number one. Um, and unless you're winning a lot, there's always people that are playing better than you on any given week. There's always something that you've done wrong um, on a certain week. There's always a mistake that you've made, and that's going to cost you, you know, a few places up the leaderboard or winning. And I think just the fact that you win so little um, is is something that you have to learn to um, to deal with. Um, just because you know you can play, you can play God, great, a- and win is not guaranteed. That's a fascinating point, isn't it? Ben's always saying to Bellatrix, our daughter, he's like, darling, it's okay to lose, just don't make a habit of it. And that's his kind of thing that he sort of says to her. Um, which is all very well and good. But like you say, actually, you have to be really comfortable, don't you, with losing. It doesn't mean that you want to, but you have to be comfortable with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would rather not make a habit of it as well, but um, it, it just doesn't seem to me that I've picked the wrong sport. Um, it is, it is though. You know, you have to be, um, you know, you're gonna, um, you know, you're gonna go through periods where you're playing bad, but even playing well, you're not gonna win all the time, and you're always gonna feel like, um, you know, you can play, you can play great and finish second, and it's like, is that? success or is that failure like which one is it and um uh and really like you just have to move on to the next week and keep going again but it's it's dealing with um it's sort of not letting the result dictate your attitude um all the time yeah i think that's a good point you you don't just because you haven't won doesn't mean you've lost necessarily so yeah setting those (laughs) goals and i i suppose how you uh how do you ramp yourself up to the big ones, Tommy, you know, to, to really try and peak at the right time? Is there any, any tricks to that? You know, that's, that's a really good um, question. And um, I, I've, I've asked this a lot and uh, worked with various, you know, people, coaches. Um, and and I, I actually always ask that question myself because I, I've always found it difficult. And there's times when I feel like I've worked it perfectly and prepared so well and, and, again you know you play great and there's and there's other times where that doesn't work and sometimes you've played a ridiculously long schedule where you you know you come to a major and it's like your fourth week in a row your fifth week in a row and you end up playing really really well and and for me there's actually never been there's never been that much of a pattern uh to it um sometimes I'm better when I've played leading into sort of the weeks where I would classes you know my biggest weeks the ones that I want to play the best in and sometimes um coming into it a bit fresher after a week off or two weeks off that's worked and I think I think for me overall the the most important thing is making sure that I um am competitively sharp whenever it comes to those um 
to those major weeks. So we have four of those, four of those a year. Um, and generally you, you put those four down in a schedule and then you look at tournaments around them and decide, you know, how am I going to best perform at, at this, at this tournament? And, and then the other thing is, again, you go back to winning and losing, you might win the week before a major and then, you know, have a bad major. And it's like, was that a good two weeks? Was that, was that a bad two weeks? Cause I didn't play well in the major, but then I, I won a tournament and, um, you know, I, again, it goes back to just making sure you're fit, fresh, ready, feeling competitive at the time. And then whatever happens from there is, is really, it's going to happen. And, um, and, 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 you know, it's about, we have four goes a year. One thing that did, um, that has actually really helped me in the majors was, um, getting into the Olympics in Tokyo for me was, um, was an amazing experience because, um, golf, I feel as always, you know, you, people look at, you know, you can hit a bad shot and it costs you so much or you, you do this or, and, you know, four majors a year. Oh my God, you only get four goes at it a year. All of a sudden I'm spending time around these Olympians, a hundred meter sprinter that's got nine seconds that is waited five mm. years for. And, you know, I mean, you know, this again, like way better than, you know, this is like their majors and they get one shot every four years. And that actually helped me put things into perspective because for us, we actually, you know, have a lot of chances compared to compared to you guys and other athletes like that. And I think that helped me um, put it into perspective and be a bit more patient in those in those weeks. I just want to ask you for a performance tip each before I let you go. Um, Claire, possibly uh, you first. Um, what would be something that somebody could do better every day to perform better every day? Tell me first. Me first. Um, <laughs> I, I, th I think there's, um, yeah, she deflected straight to me. I, I, I guess for me, I think there's a couple of things. I, I, I always like to say that, um, I obviously use it from a golfing perspective cause that's what I do, but I always say the fun, uh, the fundamentals are never too basic. And, uh, there's so many times where I go off track where it could have been fixed with how I set up or how I grip or how I take the club away. Um, so like the, the things that you think are so basic, um, you can never be too perfect at those. Um, and I also think the people that you surround yourself with on a daily basis, um, whether that before a reality check, whether that before, um, positive energy or whatever that may be, the, the people around you have a massive impact. Claire, Me? you can yeah. deflect no longer. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I <laughs> would say keeping things simple which is kind of what you're saying about the basics, keeping things simple. And one of the most important things, I think, going back to what we said earlier, is being comfortable with failure. I think that's a key point for but everyone. But don't make it a habit. For lay people. But everywhere. don't make it a habit, Ben. Don't make a habit of it. <laughs> that's right. You can be comfortable, but that's it's right. not a habit. <laughs> not too comfortable. Guys, thanks so much. I know you've got a school run to do, so we'll let you oh, go and let you. you crack on. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks, thanks a lot. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thank, thank you very thing. much. Appreciate yeah. it a lot. Thank you. Oh, what a lovely couple, Georgie, and really great. The first golfer we've had on the pod, but really great to get an insight from both Tommy and Claire what life is like on the on the pro tour. I guess the big takeaway from for me was was Tommy's focus on the fundamentals and they're never too basic and that's absolutely right isn't it you know to, to have that bedrock to set your performance around and you know if that's not set in, in stone and, 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 and firm enough then you know everything else is you know 
quite likely to crumble around it. So I thought that was fantastic advice. But what, what about you? What were your big takeaways? I think mainly their decision making, uh, where money's concerned and lifestyle choices. I mean, I think we can sort of all relate to this. Uh, you know, there, there are often choices that you will be asked to make, um, which may seem tempting from a materialistic perspective, but actually, is it the best thing for your world? Is it the best thing for your family unit? And, and you know, how do you go about making those sorts of decisions? And I think because she's his manager, but also his wife, you know, her take on it is, is different to perhaps it would be for a regular agent who would be just looking at that hard 20%. So, it, you know, that I thought was really revealing and really interesting and a really big insight into how they shape their world and how they, and how they want to live their lives. Uh, you know, yeah. right now in the game of golf, that's a big old talking point. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, quite, quite poignant, like you say, with the live tour and everything that goes along with that. But uh, yeah, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, thank you everybody for watching and or listening. This has been Performance People. We are Ben and Georgie Ainsley. And remember, from what we've learned today, keep things simple and believe in the fundamentals. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.